Beyond the Mic with Sean Dillon. We're joined on the star line by a professional speaker, advisor, and musician. He used to play in Broadway and still fills in occasionally, but now he's a dick. We welcome author of Be a Dick, Mark Ensign. Thank you very much, Sean. It's good to be here. Let's go beyond the mic. Growing up in New Jersey, you wanted to be anonymous, but also wanted to change the world. Yeah. So, you know, it started very early for me. My mom, she used to make clothes and she was a sewer. She would sew uh, snaps on the back of all my pajamas and snap a cape on that she had made me. And I would run around the house from the age of, you know, four or five to almost to adulthood with, (laughs) with a cape on. And, you know, you don't grow up with a cape on and not think that you're going to someday be a superhero and change the world. That's just part of the deal. Now you wanted to be anonymous in high school and you were pretty much successful, but looking back and now at the lessons you've learned with Dick, would you want to be captain cutter? I don't know if I do think that, that a lot of my high school experience, uh, you know, was my own doing. I do realize that now, you know, I, I wasn't cool enough. I wasn't part of the popular crowd and I had all these things and it was all everybody else's fault back in the day. And so I didn't want anything to do with them. I couldn't wait to get out of there, you know, and then looking back and, and really kind of seeing the role that I played in that and, you know, kind of taking ownership of that, it, it really was more about, you know, my own insecurities and how I showed up or didn't show up and and what I did with that. Be a Dick is a 12-step course of lessons you learn from your neighbor, Dick. How has your life changed from that moment, dragging the kids and the dog and the hot Florida sun and first meeting Dick? So when, when I moved down to Florida from New Jersey and it was a move where I was running away more so than I was, you know, excited about the new possibility of living in Florida. Like I was, I was running away from my problems and, and ended up in Tampa, Florida. And I really was at, at one of the lows in my life because, you know, I, I was working a lot financially. I was, you know, just cutting it barely. I didn't have this, you know, and most importantly, I didn't have this, this meaning. Like I, you know, I grew up with this idea I was going to change the world and it was going to happen eventually. And then all of a sudden I'm 40 years old looking back and I can't point to anything that has really shaken the earth down to its core. The language that I used back then was I, I made it impossible to win. The earth was going to spin differently because I was here. Like, okay, that's going to happen. So I set myself up for failure very early on. So I came from that really awful place. And then I meet this, you know, my neighbor who's this incredibly kind and helpful and humble and compassionate person. And over the course of months, I I really, he became like a mentor. He became uh, somebody that I just kind of followed around like a little puppy dog and and just kind of learned from because I wanted what he had. Over the course of the, you know, the, the two years that followed, it completely changed my life because I realized that you know, I had this idea that you had to do these incredibly huge, colossal things to actually be worth remembering or to make a difference in this world. And really, sometimes all it takes is just being kind to somebody that needs you to be kind to or, or being a little more helpful or a little more generous or authentic or being vulnerable. It's these little things that make the big difference. And, and that's really the lesson in this whole thing for me. Being a dick isn't something to be proud of. That's Dick with a small D, but being a capital D Dick is something different. Can you explain the difference? It's this premise of, uh, you know, like we all grew up with this idea that being a dick is a terrible thing. And so, uh, you know, here I am, I'm in this bad place. I move and I meet this neighbor who's this great person and his name just happens to be Dick. And it's just this marketing dream come true, you know, like, like <laughs> because, uh, because he's just this great person and because I learned from him and because 
he really pulled me out of a dark place. Now where, you know, this really kind of plays into something kind of fun and interesting is that, you know, there's nothing incredibly special about this message. I mean, you could, the name of this book could be how to be a good neighbor, how to be a good person. Like this is, uh, you know, it's, it's just about de- being a, a good human being. The fact that his name was Dick makes being kind kind of fun again and being helpful kind of fun again. And, uh, and all these core values that we all just are inherently born with, uh, but they get lost in the mix. Uh, you know, they, they just kind of, you know, we forget to, to, uh, to be kind or we forget to be grateful sometimes or we forget to be forgiving, especially when it comes to being forgiving with ourselves. So uh, being able to package it up as being a dick with a capital D makes it, you know, stickier, no pun intended. It makes it more memorable. It makes it more, you know, it, 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 you now get to be part of a club of people that are a bunch of dicks or, and it sounds silly, but I've gotten uh, dozens of emails and, and heard dozens of stories, including from, you know, my dad who recently read the book, you know, about, you know, they were busy doing something and caught their attention and immediately remembered the story and then got up and took action uh, where they wouldn't have otherwise. And it's and because it falls under that flag of being a dick. And he was just very proud of himself, calling himself a dick all day. The author of Be a Dick, Mark Inson, joins us beyond the mic. How many times a week do you still get to talk to Dick? We've since moved a couple of years ago, but we've only, we're only about a mile away. So I would probably say, you know, we talk, I reach out to him at least maybe once a month or, you know, uh, when the book came out, I stopped by his house and we spent some time together and he got to read the book, which was uh, an interesting experience. Uh, so we still talk fairly often at, and, and on Facebook all the time. It must have been scary, but how was that experience of revealing the book to Dick? Um, it was horrifying. <laughs> you know, I, I, this is somebody that, that has become a personal hero of mine. And it's not like somebody that uh, you don't have a chance of ever meeting. You know, it's somebody that lives down the street. And so I showed up at his house with, with a couple of books that I'd signed for him and his wife. And he answered the door and you know, I, I surprised him. I gave him the book and he looked at, it, he goes, and he, I was with my whole family and we're all just kind of like, oh my God, he didn't know, he, he didn't know I was writing the book. Couldn't wait to hear what he would say. And he looked at it, he held it for a second and he put it on the table. He's like, great. Hey, why don't we go in the back in the lanai and let's sit down and talk. So I said, oh, okay, we're going to talk about this now. This is, you know, I'll sit down. And so we all go walk through the house and we sit down in the back and he goes right up to my kids. So how's school going? And I was like, I just, I just wrote a book about you (laughs) and 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 nothing, nothing. I got nothing. We sat there for an hour talking about school and about everything but the book. And I was horrified and I was, uh, you know, and, and I was like, Oh my God, what have I done? I've dedicated so, so many hours to this thing and he doesn't care. Then it was time for us to leave. And so my wife and kids and his wife walked away and he goes, Hey, hold on a second. He's like, I just want you to know how much this, this really means to me. Uh, I, I'm just so impressed and, and, and so you know, honored that you did this. And, and then he told me that, that like, and this is the part that like, you know, had me weak in the knees. You know, when, when you grow up with the name Dick, you know, there's a lot of bad stuff that comes with that. Even when people just say, hey, Dick, like it sounds derogatory, it sounds awful. And so he's like, I've always had a hard time with my name. And somehow you have turned it into something that is so positive and makes me smile. And that just, uh, you know, like knocked me uh, to the ground because uh, that wasn't the intention. But wow, like I didn't know. I didn't know what he had gone through with this name or anything else like that. 
So that was just really meaningful and important to me. And then as I thought about it, I was like, I guess it's just, it's just a very humbling experience to get this book that somebody wrote about you. And, you know, I guess it just takes a little time to digest before he was able to, you know, come out and and, and talk to me about it. Can you balance being a dick while limiting the time that people take advantage of your dickness? I mean, being kind, generous, emulating dick while not allowing people to hurt you or your family. That's a really good question. So, you know, I found that in most cases, people won't take advantage of that. But yeah, I, I mean, I could see it certainly being an issue where I think this comes to play is that this is about doing the little things that make the big difference. This is about being generous with time or generous with, but not to the point where like, I'm on automatic yes, where someone says, hey, give me $1,000. I'm like, all right, time to be generous. You know, and I'll go cut you the check and <laughs> knowing that I'm never going to see it again. It's just really being, it's almost about being more aware around other people just putting stuff out there, knowing that it's going to come back to you somehow. I have done stuff for people and I have taken this on for people. It didn't pay back immediately, but it always does. There was a story that I had posted recently that, you know, there was a guy that I had helped a couple of years ago when I was right in the middle of all this. I never heard from him again. I probably could have charged him. He was, you know, he, I, I helped him immensely on something, I, you know, and I didn't charge him for it because it only took about 15 minutes of, of time, but, but it was significant. He was paying thousands of dollars for somebody else to fix this problem for him. And I just kind of got it, you know, nailed it down for him. As a result, never heard from him again. He left an Amazon review and he bought a dozen books for, you know, everybody he knows for, for holidays, like, you know, 12, 15 books or something like that and left a really, really nice review. I haven't heard from the guy in years and, and he came out and did that. So I think that it, you know, sometimes it takes time, but I think for the most part, people do uh, respect and pay back. Be a Dick author, Mark Ensign joins us beyond the mic. You talk in your book about the moment you broke down after your inbound 14 speech. You were grateful for the good and the bad, and getting you to that one peak you've been climbing, striving to reach. But you found the new peak. How does a person grow and find their way to a new challenge after reaching maybe a first impossible peak that you might be chasing your entire life? I think it comes down to was really kind of understanding beyond the experience itself. One of the challenges I had as a Broadway musician, I had this impossible goal of one day wanting to work on Broadway and I threw myself into it and I accomplished it after about a year and a half or two years of chasing. And then I was doing the show for, you know, for a couple months and I woke up one day and said, okay, what's next? Did that. Instead of really kind of reveling into what I've done, like what I, you know, and experiencing every single note and experiencing that standing ovation, I, I just, it became a thing I checked off the list. This thing, uh, when, when I got inbound, I learned from that experience. And when I worked and when I finally got a chance to do inbound, it was a much different experience because I really kind of soaked up the experience and saw it be, saw beyond it, you know, saw it for impact that it made for me, the impact it made for the people in the audience, uh, what it meant to me. It wasn't just a matter of like, cool, I got to speak on that stage. What's next? And I really allowed myself to swim in what that meant, you know, and, and how I can kind of, you know, really, really kind of, kind of own that and not just, you know, not just see it as a task. In the times of COVID-19 quarantine, why is being a dick, capital D, so important right now? Because I think people are going through some stuff that 
you know, none of us ever thought we would. I think people are going, uh, dealing with stuff, uh, fears and, and financial issues and jobs and all this. The weight of the world is on a lot of people's shoulders right now. And for the first time, we're not going through it alone. We're all kind of in the middle of it. You know, we, we all have our story. And I don't think anybody's necessarily looking to be saved, you know, but man, the kindness of a stranger, being a little more helpful, being a little more compassionate and thoughtful, I think is, you know, what people need right now. And, you know, regardless of where you are in the political divide for, you know, masks versus no masks, you know, socialism versus whatever everybody's talking about and like blue versus red. At the end of the day, we're all human and we all want the same thing. And instead of fighting over this and instead of uh, having to pick sides, just to be more kind and just to be generous with people and, and caring and loving and being listening, you know, having, giving people a, you know, an ear to, to hear what they're going through, I think is, is so important. Other than being an author, you're a speaker on leadership and personal branding. How did you get from musician, Berkeley School of Music graduate, to helping create brand authority? When I got on Broadway, uh, you know, I like to say that I had no right to be there. I was totally underqualified for that job. And it was because uh, I was the youngest person uh, fighting for that gig at the time. Thousands of bass players wanted it. I had no experience. I didn't know anybody. I was not connected to anybody. I was good, but was I the best? Far from it. And yet, you know, what I did have that nobody else had was I had the ability to market myself and create a level of authority that nobody else was doing. When people got tired of me calling them and they stopped answering their phone, Uh, I got a job writing for Bass Player Magazine. Now everybody wanted to be my friend because they wanted to be interviewed for the magazine because now I was an authority. And so I just had this natural ability to market myself. And uh, when I came off the road and I was in between gigs, I had this great idea. I'll start a marketing company for musicians and artists. This was before MySpace. I'm going to help other people do what I did. And so that's what I started doing. And I really just loved it. I, I, just, I just really enjoyed it. And so I juggled the two for a long time. And then the marketing company really took off. And, and it was, you know, in the early 2000s. And then all of a sudden, you know, I grew to a certain point where I decided to, to walk away from it because it wasn't fulfilling anymore. And then I started a branding agency that, you know, and, and that's Loudmouse, my, the company I have now. And what, what our focus is really is on, helping, you know, people with really big ideas create movements. You know, how do we take something like be a dick and make it a household word? Because, you know, in order to make a social difference in the world, it's now it's taking that stuff that I had done in the past, you know, this desire to change the world, this ability to uh, market myself as a musician, this marketing company and agency that I had, and it all kind of gets mashed together into thing that I do now, which is being a dick. The author of Be a Dick, Mark Ensign, joins us beyond the mic. You've built your brand, Loudmouse, on being an authority. How long did it take to become that authority? I may be too humble to answer this question because I don't think you know anybody's ever the ultimate end of story, no questions asked authority on anything. Like I think it's always a matter of putting quality stuff out there and you know oh, that willingness to learn and teach and show is how you kind of get seen as an authority, but I don't, I don't really know anybody that's the authority that, you know, where there's, you know, nobody ever nipping at their heels. Okay, Mark, I know you've been dreading this, but you got to do it. (laughs) No, I don't want to do it. You got to do it. (laughs) Time's running out. So it's time for the rocking eight, eight random questions. Answer with the first thing that comes to your mind. (laughs) There is no pressure. Favorite song to play bass on. 
Oh, it would, I would, can I, can I just say the entire show rent? Because I absolutely love, uh, always have loved playing that show. What's the one thing you do that annoys your wife, Amy, to no end? I uh, always think too logically. Broadway show you'd love to play with. I'd love to play on uh, either Hamilton or Dear Evan Hansen. If you could do one thing differently in your life, one change, what would it be? When I was on tour with Rent, I left, I think, earlier than I wanted to. I got off the road after about a year and a half. A week after I left, they announced they were going to Hawaii and Japan. What do you do when you get angry? Um, I shut down. Uh, I get really sarcastic and shut down. I do not yell, though. One thing that you want to buy that you will never buy yourself. Um, the, first, the first thing that came to my mind was a new chair. <laughs> I was thinking that you would want to buy yourself a Tesla. I was, I, oh, it's so funny because that was, that was the second thing that, that was. Uh, you talk about it. All enough. right. Wow. You really have done your research or something. But yeah, it is. It is uh, it, that has been on my list of things that I want. No question. That's the right answer. The chair was the first answer because I could see it. I could see it like in my, <laughs> I can see it in my video that I need a new chair. What's your favorite aisle of the supermarket? Um, it's supposed to be the fruit aisle, but yeah, it's going to have to be the, the aisle where all the chocolate is. And I got to hear this story. Did you ever get surgery on your foot that you stepped on a belt buckle that went through your foot? And please tell me the story. I've got to hear this. <laughs> I got it. All right. So I was at a conference uh, speaking. I don't know anybody that, I don't know if this has ever happened to anybody before, but, but I was uh, stepping, um, uh, I got out of bed in the morning and I guess I had thrown a belt on the ground and the pin that goes into the hole of, of your belt uh, was sticking straight up and I stepped right on it and it went about a half an inch into my foot to the point where I stepped on, I was like, ah, and I lifted my foot up and the belt came with it and I had to pull it like a, like an arrow <laughs> out of my foot, uh, went to the uh, doctor at the conference. They suggested I get a tetanus shot. So I, I got my tetanus shots while I was there. And then a year or two later, I thought I had something like, like I, I was having a hard time walking and I went to the doctor and they're like, what are the planters wart? And the guy's like, no, this is definitely not a planter's wart. He's like, this is, you have a cyst on your foot, but I don't know how you would get that. The only way I could think that you would get a cyst on your foot is if something like, you know, pierced your foot. And so <laughs> it sounds like, yep, sure enough, that's what it was. They had to, you know, kind of, it wasn't full-blown surgery, but they had to remove it all for stepping on a belt buckle. So I got the, I told you so for my wife for never cleaning up after myself. <laughs> Here's a story for you. Uh, when I was 13, I got hit by a car. And I broke my, my left leg. I broke completely in half, tried to walk. And then when I tried to walk, it snapped the rest of the way. You know, had a cast on. I had a really bad doctor who set my leg wrong and accidentally, instead of, you know, putting it on straight, put it on at like a 15 degree angle. No, like, like twisted. So now the doctor is clearly a bad doctor. And so after about a month or two, I go to another doctor and the guy's like, they put your leg on wrong. And so we either have to re-break it or there are other ways that we can solve this. And so, you know, once the cast comes off and so my parents look at me and they go, what do you want to do? So I'm like, like you're going to let me decide, <laughs> decide this, like looking back as an adult, like, what are you out of your mind? So, so I was like, well, I say we fix it later. And the doctor goes, okay. Cause I didn't want to re-break it again. So I was like, fix it later. It hurt a lot before. I don't want to do that again. So I get the cast off and I said, okay, now how do we fix it? He goes, well, what you have to do is for about a year, you have to wear your shoes on the opposite feet. And I was like, are you serious? That's your solution? When I stood up, I got the cast off. I stood up and my left foot was turned at like a 15 degree angle. So, oh my God, you're, you've got to be kidding me. 
And so for a year, I, you know, I didn't want to walk like a duck. So I had to put my, my shoes on the wrong feet because that wasn't going to look stupid. And that, I went into seventh grade, I think it was, uh, sixth, seventh grade uh, with that. And, um, and to this day, uh, it's, it's a little better, but like it still, it still turns in. Like when I walk down the stairs, I like one foot turns sideways. I could turn my foot completely 180 degrees uh, to, you know, so I like, you know, one foot is behind me. It's hysterical. Now that I'm an adult, uh, you know, like, like I just think it's one of the best stories. I have two right feet. Where can people find you? Uh, best place to find me is markensign.com, M-A-R-C-E-N-S-I-G-N.com. And if you want to know more about the book, the website address is Iwanttobeadick.com. And it's available at Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and all those, all the usual places. He annoys his wife by always thinking too logically, would love to play on Hamilton, and loves the shop in that chocolate aisle. <laughs> Author of Be a Dick, Mark Ensign. I know it's something you do, but thanks for taking the time to talk with us today. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And that, my friends, it's Beyond the Mic. <laughs>